Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Um, we're going to continue our series on the cross, and there's going to be some review of what we discussed last week, and some of this stuff overlaps, and review's good. But before we get into face-to-face with the cross, and I get into my points here, and we get into the Word again together, I have a question for you. What, it's a, it's a different form of what I asked you last week, but we had a really good discussion. What really stands out to you, or what's important to you about the cross, or what does it mean to you? It's kind of a three-pronged question, but I want to get you thinking. What's, what's the big deal about the cross to you, the cross of Jesus? Not just a cross, but what the cross stands for and what Jesus did for us on that cross. Sacrifice, that's a big deal. I'm going to get into that. Sacrifice is big, not just in a marriage, but even as a friend. You'll give up something for someone or for family or for your kids one day or brothers at work. Sacrifice, yeah, sac- it's a symbol of sacrifice. Yeah, love, mm-hmm. giving, every, giving it all. Jesus said, how did, he, how did that verse go? He said, greater love has no man than this. Then he laid down his life for his friends. Now, friend in the Greek is way more than what we call friend because, you know, everybody has Facebook friends now. Some of you have 1,000. Some of you have 2,000. Some of you have hundreds. Some of you are just smiling at me going, me, I think my only Facebook friend is my wife. So once in a while I'll like something on there, but I'm not on there much ever. I'm, I'm not even on Facebook once a week. But to us, I remember growing up, it was like, yeah, they're my friend, they're my friend. Well, a lot of people are just really acquaintances. A friend, according to Jesus, and according to that translation, is someone you'd lay your life down for. A friend goes deep. A true friend. A true friend. If you really think about it, most, most people have close friends. It's, it's not many. You say, man, I know a lot of people. But what's a true friend? A true friend gives, gives their life. They love. They walk in love. Love is, love is sacrifice. That ties into it. So talking about the cross, we've got sacrifice, love. What else? What does the cross mean to you? You can, you can mention something else that ties into what these gentlemen said. Eternal life, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. I, I keep bringing this up because it's so close to home, but my wife and I were talking when mom passed, and it's like, wow, we've preached this and lived it our whole lives and talked about it. We're going to grieve, but we're going to be comforted because we know mom is in heaven. Mom's in heaven. She's gone on to the next place. She's not sad and you know when you're grieving, it helps when people say it, but sometimes you're in the big middle of grief. It didn't offend me, but I've heard of people grieving and someone goes, they're in a better place. Like, yeah, I know, but I just want to be with them. Well, the truth of the matter is, though, eternal life. It's on a different level. It's forever. You'll see them again. You serve God and you'll see your loved ones who have gone on before you. So eternal life through the cross. What else? What else do you think of when you think of the cross? Forgiveness is such a big deal. I don't know about you, but I'm constantly reminded of the fact, and I think this stays fresh in my mind because just seeking God through his word and praying, I'm constantly reminded of the fact that I'm not a sinner anymore, but I was. And I needed forgiveness then, but even as a man of God, even as a believer like all of you, I still need forgiveness. And I need to be humble about that. The cross reminds me of that, sis, that I, 
I need forgiveness, I want forgiveness, and I need to give forgiveness. One of the biggest lessons of the cross for me, even as a kid, was that Carmen song. I think it was called, This Blood is for You. And he, we know it, it's in scripture, but he's, it's kind of a dramatized song. I don't know if even all of you remember Carmen, but he would do dramatized songs where he's basically preaching a sermon and talking and singing and all this stuff. He dramatized the portion where scripture mentions Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Man, there's times when people knew exactly what they, they were doing, I think, when they treated me bad. And I was like praying to, for God to deal with them. <laughs> but man, to forgive like Jesus. Nailed through his wrists or hands and his feet brutally beaten, and then he said, Father, forgive them. They, <laughs> they don't know exactly what they're doing. Wow, that still blows me away. Forgiveness. For you to receive forgiveness, and if you're going to receive it, you need to give it, right? What else? What we inherited. That's big, and that's deep waters right there. There's, there's so much. Can you imagine God seeing you as he sees his son? God in the flesh. Scripture calls him the firstborn of many. So what, what is good enough for Jesus is now good enough for you. That's big. That's big, deep waters. You were going to say something, sis. Huh, freedom. Scripture says, he that the Son has set free is free indeed. free indeed. Another verse says, you will know the truth. I believe Scripture has lots of double and triple meanings because it's true on, in every aspect, every perspective. But you will know the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the truth, not a truth. I am the truth. So man, you'll know Jesus and you'll know the truth. And you'll be set free. Hmm. He that the Son has set free is free indeed. Wow. Anything else? You can, you can give another answer if you've already given one. I just really want you to think tonight because the more I prod you and make you think about the cross, it, it becomes a revelation to you because you're thinking about it. Yes, ma'am. He did it anyway. Wow. Did you did you get into my notes tonight, Mija? It's it's doing something profound in you too. I can't even see the look on your face. It's it's doing something in you. When believers get a revelation of the cross, everything changes because there's no doubt in my mind, everybody in here believes in Jesus. Y'all are believers, we're gonna see each other in heaven one day. It's a Wednesday night, you know, it's a smaller crowd. Sometimes on Sunday mornings, you, have, you, have, you tend to have more new visitors and stuff, people that are seeking God or looking, they're seekers, they don't know yet, some have not accepted Jesus, but I believe everybody in here has. But something about the cross, there's something, it's like, it's like when a bolt slides into place and it finds its groove and you go, ah, that's just right. That's just right. That's how it goes. Something that clicks. 
in your spirit when you start to go, oh, that's why the cross. Oh, that's the, oh, he had to, he had to die that way. Wow, he did it anyway. And what was the second one he said? Puts us in check. Boundaries. Anybody else? This is important. I'm not, I'm not doing this just to waste your time. We, these have been some great answers. What else, what else do you think of when you think of the cross or what does the cross mean to you? Huh, new covenant. I was reading today and um, I was reminded of the new covenant being a better covenant. Well, think about it. You've all, most of you, if you haven't read through your whole Bible, and you should, you, that should be one of your goals, to read through your whole Bible. But the old covenant, you're all familiar with the Old Testament. Man, it, Lord, you know I'm not making fun, but it was arduous. Tedious, arduous, and difficult. Exacting. You got to bring a sacrifice, but you got to pay for this with that, and this how much you got to buy the dove, and you got to get that, and then or you need to sacrifice. And then we're gonna have a, a goat that they the elders will lay their hands on his head and put the sin of the people on him, and we're gonna turn the goat loose in the wilderness. That's where you get the term scapegoat. They put all the sin on the goat and then turn him loose outside the camp. And there's all these things. And then, as if it wasn't enough, humans are so complicated sometimes. I don't believe God created us to be that, that complicated, but I believe religion, uh, it, it complicates things. And you have the old covenant where it was complicated enough, and then they started adding traditions to that. Oh, Lord, help us. But then, like Sister said, a new and better covenant. Because all of a sudden, Jesus says, yeah, all of that, that's great. I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. But now the whole law is fulfilled in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and strength and soul and might and love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know who this is for today, but God dropped this in my spirit today. No matter what laws they make, at the state level, the city level, the federal level, we need to pray for those in authority. Scripture commands us and asks us to do that. But no matter what laws they make, those laws don't change people's hearts. You've got to remember that. That really became a revelation to me today. It doesn't matter what they legislate on homosexuality or marriage or gay marriage or abortion or the border or this or that or an executive order. That doesn't change people's hearts. We know what changes people's hearts, and that's a real relationship with God. And the only way you can have a real relationship with God is through the new and better covenant. Love the Lord your God with all your strength and soul and might. And love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. Sums it all up. If you love God, you're going to honor him. If you love others, you're going to honor them and treat them right. And it takes care of all the Ten Commandments just in those two sayings. That's powerful. And all of Scripture. Anything else? Y'all have some good, good, good answers tonight. Anybody else? What's so important about the cross? What's the big deal? What does it mean to you? What catches your eye? What Rest. Scripture talks about entering into his blessed rest in the King James Version in the New Testament. And rest is tied closely to faith. But Jesus also said, come unto me all you that, that are weary and overburdened. He says, heavy laden in the King James Version, and I will give you rest. I've, he has it all. 
Some of you are my age or older. Some of you are younger. You said, man, I've, I tried all these things in the past and it didn't give me rest. It gave me no rest, no peace. But Jesus gives us rest and the cross gives us rest if we get a revelation of it. Anybody else? Anybody else? What does the cross mean to you? And then we'll go on. A way of life. Would you articulate, please? And I'll try and repeat some of it for the recording. <laughs> that's, that's potent. Deny yourself. But I want this, I want that. Yeah, God says, look, I'm everything. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. A, way, a true way of life. And he's, interesting, you use those two words, Barry, a true way, a way of life, the way of life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he offers a way of life, the narrow. Scripture says the way of the sinner is hard. You guys have family or you've been around some of that? It's like, man, it's just one, they're just one sad story to the next, one hard luck story to the next. Not that our lives aren't challenging. But he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he has a customized cross for you to carry. <laughs> you can handle it. You can handle it. I don't know who that's for. Anybody else? One more. Wow, this is powerful. I didn't expect there to be this many answers. This was wonderful. Anybody else on the cross? What, what it means to you? What significance? What the big deal is to you? All right. Nobody else? Okay. Last week, I gave you this point, coming face to face with the cross, and this is important to me. I think it's important to you, but the cross gives me courage. It gives courage. You see what Jesus did, and yeah, Luke one thirty seven. yeah, nothing's impossible with God. He could get up on that cross and bleed and die and reconcile me with God, and he could do all of that and be beaten and mocked and ridiculed and, and Josephus a, a historian from that time very accurate supposedly he says that the whole garrison of soldiers took turns punching Jesus in his face one punch is a lot a solid flush hit it hurts I've been punched in the eye I got a black eye when I was a kid what grade was I in fourth it hurt I saw stars I cannot imagine what Jesus went through. They were pulling his beard. Men, you got facial hair? Men who have facial hair, you ever had anybody pull it? Well, the beards were longer back then. They weren't as, see, we got some nice trim facial hair in here because you got all these electrical things. Jesus had a beard. It was a manly beard. It was a, a Hebrew-style beard. And they were pulling his beard and slapping him and making fun of him and punching him and crown of thorns and everything. I thought, man, how can I not have courage? What he did for me, can I not just do something for him and believe? Let's go to John 19.5. This really stood out to me last week, and I brought it up. Some of this is a review. Can you imagine? After he's been brutally beaten, he was presented to the crowd. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said, look, here is the man. One translation says, behold, the man. They have a purple robe on him because they were making fun of him. He's bleeding. I mentioned this last week. You ever been wet or slimy under your clothes or, or, or had a bloody wound and your clothes are sticking to it? Can you imagine his back and his whole body and they've been whipping him on his neck and it's, he's just blood everywhere and it, it's probably sticking 
to the blood and the blood's starting to just become sticky and thicker and, and it's a mess. And so he's in that robe with a crown of thorns and Pilate says, here's the man. So why should I ever be ashamed again if I walk with God? He was shamed for me. That right there gives me courage. That's just one part of the story. That's just one part of the story. Here is the man after he was brutally beat. That's just terrible, terrible, terrible scenario. Mark 15, 43. Look at this one. I love how the cross and a revelation of the cross changed Joseph of Arimathea. It says Joseph of Arimathea took a risk. One translation says he went and asked boldly. But a risk is for a risk taker. A risk requires courage and guts. He took a risk and he went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. You know why it was a risk? Because he sat on the high council of the Pharisees and all of a sudden because he came to ask for Jesus' body, the whole world, it's public knowledge now that he's interested in Jesus and yeah, most likely he's a follower of Jesus, which he was. He came and asked for Jesus' body. And look what it says in parentheses here. Joseph was an honored member of the high council and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He was one of only two guys of the Pharisees that were like, wait, should we crucify him? He's innocent. You know him and Nicodemus, they're, they're just, they were shocked by this. They were, they were closet believers. They believed in Jesus. But man, the cross changed the way Joseph saw things. He, he was there to see Jesus brutalized and punished, an innocent man, and he hung to, and to die. And all of a sudden, Joseph's faith became real. Somebody say it became real. You get a revelation of the cross, your faith becomes real, and your courage, your courage actually gets wings and gumption. All of a sudden, I know we've all been afraid of things, but man, this gives me great encouragement. This gives me courage to see, man, my God was executed for me. He came down in the flesh. Who can say that? My God died for me. They can't. Can't say that about Buddha or whoever. And there's only one true God, and it's with a capital G. And Jesus came, and he died for us. That's amazing. Gives courage. Number two, this ties into what Sis was saying earlier. Brings accountability. Yeah, it puts you in check. That's why the world's not real crazy about the message of the cross. It's funny, have you ever seen talk shows or you see preachers being uh, interviewed or you see now, I mean, now there's all kinds of videos. They say now that YouTube, every, is it every day? One of the statistics for YouTube is every day there's multiple days worth of videos uploaded to YouTube. Every day. So there's videos everywhere. There's videos everywhere. You can, you can find videos of believers like yourself and myself that go, they're talking in an interview, and you can mention God, and you can mention a higher power, but you start talking about Jesus and the cross, and people get uncomfortable every single time. You'll even see interviewers go, yeah, well, that's nice, but no, what I meant was, and what was this guy that played for the Broncos? What was this Christian guy? Tim Tebow, man. Good, quick answer. He, he would make people uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, but you know, I just want to give 
honor under God, man, my, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And Evander Holyfield used to make people uncomfortable. After the fight, after he'd win, they'd start to get him to talk. He said, man, I just want to honor God. I just thank Jesus who saved my soul. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's great. Let's talk about the fight. I remember that happening over and over again. Everybody can say, I just want to thank God. But once you get into Jesus, that's a problem for people because all of a sudden there's the accountability of he died on the cross and now it puts me in check. Whether I agree or not or don't want to agree, it's like, oh, I don't want to talk about that because if that's real, it makes me uncomfortable because that God who died on the cross says that he had to die for my sins. Accountability. Let's go to Romans 3.22. We've got to answer to God for sin when we talk about the cross. It's accountability. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. We are right with him. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin, not a sacrifice, the sacrifice once for all. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he did what? When he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. That, that's amazing. But the cross... It divides history. I didn't mean to do the sign of the cross there, but it, uh, it divides history. You got before Christ now, and then A.D., Anno Domini, the Latin words meaning in the year of our Lord. And those that don't believe in Jesus, they, they, they call it common era and before the common era. Usually Jews that do that, but those that don't want to mention Jesus. But he divides our history even and brings accountability. He says, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about your sin? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And we get into point three tonight. And point three tonight is the cross, coming face to face with the cross, it forces a decision. It forces a decision. And people go, no, I'm not going to decide right now. Well, guess what? That's a decision. I'm going to get around the cross. I'm not, well, then you've rejected it. You say, no, I'm not going to. I'm going to ignore the sacrifice of Jesus. Well, then that's a decision. I like what Joshua said in the Old Testament. He said, choose today. Choose this day who you will serve. Accept or reject. <laughs> My wife and I will talk sometimes. And I have a really bad habit of, not that I'm Christ-like or trying to be like Socrates, the Greek philosopher, but I answer questions with questions. And my wife will go, baby, please, yes or no? <laughs> yes or no? I was at somebody's business, and I'd, I'd, been teaching, I'd been teaching a language course. And it was funny because the lady, that, one of the boss ladies is there, and she was really cool, but she was asking a guy a direct question, and she asked him something like, where do you want it? Which department do you want to work in today? And he responded real vaguely, and she goes, she called him by his name. I don't remember what his, okay, I remember his first name now. But she goes, she called him by his name and goes, Yes or no? Like she was ready to move. Yes or no? And he goes, oh, okay, uh, yes. Forced a decision. There's a lot of stuff you can put off, but I'm going to tell you right now, putting off the cross of Jesus, that should not be one of the things we put off. Forces a decision. Accept or reject. And I got to say this again. 
This is for those of you that are talking to people and people you need to intensify your prayers for. If they, you know, because everybody says, I believe in God. Have y'all heard that? It's funny. People, I don't know if that's supposed to impress us, but I, I've actually been frustrated by that before. And someone I knew wasn't living right and acting crazy, they go, I believe in God. And I've just spouted off and I've done it several times. I'm like, but the devil believes in God. Scripture says they believe. They, what does it mean to believe it? What are you going to do with it now? Well, I believe, it, but we have an understanding, and I'm just going to, I don't have to, well, you know what? You don't have to do anything, but then you just decided. Doing nothing is a decision. So remember that when you're praying for folks. And be concerned about people. Be concerned about them. Let God lay the burden of the cross on you, meaning the burden of salvation for people you love, because, man, what happens? What happens when we cross over into eternity? with or without Jesus. That's important. That's important. People say his sins sent him to hell or her sins sent her to hell. Well, really it's rejecting the sacrifice of Jesus. When you reject the sacrifice of Jesus, then you, you can't get rid of your sin. It's not, it's not taken away. There's a lady, she attends this church and she told me, she's an older woman, she said years ago she'd played games with God. She was living in another town in New Mexico and I don't remember what she had said exactly or why, but she said she entered into cardiac arrest, I guess. I guess it was a heart attack. And she died in the ambulance, and she went to hell. And it blew me away, because I've known her for years, and I did not know that story. And about a year ago, year and a half ago, she started telling me the story. And it sent chills down my skinny little spine. I was like, really? And she goes, oh, yeah, here's what happened. I went. I died in my sin. And I don't even remember the story, but all I can remember is she died without Jesus, and it was shocking and heartbreaking, and God gave her another chance. It doesn't happen to everyone that way, but a lot of folks are given chances. So the cross forces a decision. Choose today who you will serve. Number four, the cross gives me strength. Strength to carry on. And this ties into number three because I feel like the cross causes me to make a decision every day. Do I keep going? Not that I'm trying to give up every day, but I'm just saying it gives me reason and courage and hope every day to go, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to do this for God because of what he's done for me. This is real. It gives me strength, and I believe it gives you strength. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 1.24. 1 Corinthians 1.24. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God. That's a form of strength there. Wow. Christ is the power of God and the what? And the wisdom of God. Look at the next verse. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than what? Than the greatest of human strength. When God was weakest, he was stronger than anybody in the entire universe, anybody on the planet. Jesus, at his, weakness, at his weakest, took on the whole sin of the world. I'll close with this. Was it Gene Edwards? Interesting writer. Kind of an odd writer, but almost kind of mystical. Very truthful, very scriptural, but he would, he would write background stories for what could have happened for major stories in the Bible. Gene Edwards, I believe is his, is that his name? I think so. Gene Edwards. And I believe it was him that, that said that when Jesus was dying on the cross, 
He got accusation and death and the grave. And he called them in and said, come close to me. And he put them in a death grip. That's always moved me. To, this guy, he's such an odd writer. His writing is so odd, it's almost distracting. But he says such powerful, anointed things. And he says he got all these things that were against us. The accusations and death and the grave and all these things that people were afraid of for so long. And sin, and he put them in a death grip. And he died crushing them. And when he rose again, he rose again without those things that he had taken to the grave with him. I want you to think about that forever. I want you to always remember that the things that you struggle with at times, the things that you struggle with today, Jesus put that thing in a death grip and he took it to the grave. You don't have to keep dealing with it. You don't have to keep struggling and struggling and struggling. And I know life happens and we have our weaknesses, but man, you can be victorious. I pray that you show up this Sunday and hear, hear more about what Jesus did for us on the cross. Let's pray tonight, if you would. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Is there anybody in this house tonight, anybody at all, that says, you know what? I want God to speak to me more about the cross. Would you raise your hand tonight and I'm just pray with you. Real simple, you say, man, I want a revelation of the cross. I want God to make the cross real to me like never before. Praise God, thank you for your hands. Lord, this is such an important moment. It's so simple, but it's so important. These are your people tonight, God. Folks that you've entrusted to my care, and I don't take that lightly. But God, as a pastor and as their pastor tonight, I pray in Jesus' name, Father, that you would begin to speak to your people about the cross and let it be in a, a genuine revelation, a genuine bona fide revelation, unforgettable revelation that drops into their spirit and never goes away and becomes pervasive in their being, God. That it the knowledge and the understanding and the revelation of the cross, Lord, <clears throat> that it's transferred to every cell of their body, God, and they live it in Jesus' name. What a sacrifice. What a life. What a death. What a resurrection. Father, give us a revelation of the cross. I don't just want to talk about it. I want to live it. I don't just want to think about it, God. I want to understand it. I don't want to just be reminded of the cross, Lord. I want to be reminded of it often. I thank you for what the cross gives us, God. Courage and accountability, enforcing a decision, and strength. Oh, Heavenly Father, speak to your people tonight, God. Speak to your people tonight. I, I can feel it in this place. There's folks that you are just speaking to, Lord. We've been waiting for this moment. This is so important. But we as believers, God, we don't just want to give lip service and say, well, you know, the cross, the cross. Yeah, it's the cross. Or I wear a cross. No, we've got to understand it, God. We're not going to know it all, but Lord, you're going to reveal to us things that are so important 
in understanding the cross, what Jesus did. God, we humble ourselves before you tonight. We're so grateful for the cross. We're so grateful that you sent Jesus. We're so grateful that Jesus died for us, Father. And now we have relationship with you eternally. Somebody said tonight, eternal life and love and forgiveness. All these great answers, it's all this and much more. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Face to face. Face to face with the cross. We bless your name, Lord God. We worship you tonight. Lord, convict us of any sin in our life. Anywhere, anything that displeases you, Holy Spirit, anything that grieves you, Holy Spirit, speak to us about it tonight. And continue to speak to us about it in our dreams, God. We know that dreams, according to Scripture, dreams are the language of God. You speak to people through dreams. You speak to people through visions. That's, that's, that's how you speak to us, God. Folks that say, man, well, God's, I don't know that God's ever spoken to me. Oh, God, you've given all of us dreams, whether we realize it or not. You've given all of us dreams because that's when you have a captive audience. That's when you try to speak to us, God. Scripture proves it. Lord, begin to speak to us. I declare it tonight. I believe it with all my heart. You're going to speak to some of the folks in this room beginning tonight through dreams, God, and I'm going to hear about it. I declare it tonight. I prophesy it in Jesus' name. Speak to your people. We need a fresh move of your spirit, God. Awaken us. Let there be a great awakening in our lives. We thank you, Father. We bless your name. Thank you for a revelation of the cross. We honor you, we honor you tonight. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Y'all